me. I want one more. I'm sorry. Blooper reel. Just kidding. Cold open. Ha <laughs> Scary girl. Hey, everybody. Hi, everyone. Oh my God. I'm Stephanie. I'm Sarah. And this is the 50th episode <laughs> of Dead Time Stories. We've been bringing dead time, scary, spooky conspiracy stories to your ears for 50 episodes. Do you like it? Do you like it? Do you like us? Because if you do like us, you know what you can do now? Because now, with our 50th episode, we are launching our, our Patreon. So if you like us, give us your money. Give us your money. Give us your money. Give us your money. So it's um, a real sing songy episode. We're really just exciting. like starting it. So burr, for the burr, longest burr. time, you've only been able to support us via leaving us reviews, which has been super we love helpful. It. That's and great. Thank you. Because now you've got awesome. us to this point where now you can support us financially, which we really um, need. Yeah, we need that. Yeah, we that need helps. it. Yeah, so we we're really it. excited to uh, yeah to announce the launch of our Patreon, and we're going to talk about. Uh, the different levels and what you can get. And we are super, super pumped. And we hope that you will continue to help support the show in a way that makes it so that it's actually like easier for us yes. to make. And um, you guys can follow. We will have a link to our Patreon on all of our social media. It's about to be all up in your face. A bear, a bear, a bear, 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 bear. Right in your fucking face. Um, so Put it in please. Your mouth and suck it. Bam. Or actually take your wallet out and charge it. Um, yeah. That, that would be great. But go visit our Patreon. You'll get a little more in-depth information about everything with the tiers. But um, right now, what we're really trying to do with the Patreon is we, number one, like we told you guys, we want to cover our overhead, which that includes our SoundCloud um, subscription, which our SoundCloud is how we bring this beautiful, wonderful episode, sound waves to your ear so holes yeah, a very for free. free. And um, gas for how often gas. we travel here in time for our research. Exactly. And then once we feel like we are completely breaking edits, even. Y'all. That takes time. You guys don't even understand. Like, it takes a lot of time. But yes, once we're breaking even. Once we're breaking even, the next thing we want to do, you guys, is we want to give you some merchandise. merchandise. We want to give you some goodies. We want we want goodies. We want, we want goodies. T-shirts. I want t-shirts. We I want, want bags. enamel pins. We tote want bags. tote bags. We want stickers. We have like some, but we want more stickers. We want, yeah, we want other stickers. We want coffee mugs. We want, want keychains. I want sticker clings. I'm into sticker clings. You're I like the those. idea. I Mary think it's cool. loves window clings. I know. That's why I'm she like, we got one buyer. So that's our next goal. We're wanting some merch. So we're all in this together and we all want merch, right? Swag. Swiggity, 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 swag. What um, comes after merch? After merch, you guys are really excited and we really hope we make it here. We want to do a Live, live show. show. Um, so we are based in Philadelphia, and we do have a lot of local listeners. Looking at you, Colleen. I'm. I need to be blessed because I'm full of the spirit, and I'm so <laughs> excited about this 50th episode. I'm cutting the sneezes. So <laughs> bless you. 
Looking at you, Colleen. But uh, we are really wanting to do a live show here in Philly. So if you're local to the Philly area, um, we're wanting to then raise the money to be able to make something like that possible to bring to I you guys. I would love, love, love to do a live show for you. We Let would us do a live really show. love to. So help us out. Donate to our Patreon. We will have three different types of reward subscription tiers, with the lowest one being $1. You can give us $1 a month, and we will be so grateful for your $1. And that $1, you're not just supporting the podcast. With that $1, you are going to get exclusive access to the new Dead Time Stories Facebook group. Facebook, private, patron-only Facebook group. And on that private, patron-only Facebook group, we will... So you're not just going to... Yeah, sorry. No, go ahead. You're not just going to talk to other Dead Time Stories fans. We're going to have two live streams a month. That's right. Two live Two. streams a month, y'all. For a dollar. For a dollar. You get to interact with other Dead Time Stories fans, talk about your theories, talk about what you like, what you don't like, maybe a little Q&A. But then, yes, twice a month when we get together to record, uh, usually it'll be on a Sunday most likely, but we're going to do live streaming and talk to you guys before we go in to record our episodes so two live streams a month, you get that through the Facebook group, and that's with $1 a month on Patreon. That's all you have to do. Next, after that, guys, you're going to be able to give us $5 five, a month? Five, five, $5 a month. That's like a coffee at Starbucks. So, like, make your coffee at home one day and give us those $5. And when you do that, you're not only going to get access into that Facebook group that includes those live streams, but you're going to get access to exclusive, exclusive content. content. That's going to include short blooper episodes. And the biggest thing that I'm super excited about is we're now going to be doing another short series for you, only available to our Patreon subscribers of $5 or more. And it's going to be where Stephanie describes a movie to me that I haven't seen. Bear, 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 bear. Bow, Remember bow. when I told Sarah about The Sixth Sense? And then we watched it. And, and then we watched cried. it. Yeah, it did. It's it got so me. Good, it really so got good. me. But I and also the told her about The Village. Do you like listening to me tell Sarah the plots of movies that she's never seen? And so far, I think it's, it's a good time. And so far, it's only been M Night Shyamalan movies, <laughs> which I'm gonna, we're going to branch I'm gonna out from that with though. It for oh, okay, all okay, right, okay. all right. I mean, we'll see what happens. But when you give us five dollars, you get to also see what happens. But you get that once a month. Me describing a movie to Sarah that she's never seen, but also bloopers, bloopers. stuff that got cut out of the show because we're funny. You should hear how funny we are in other times that I cut. Because we just it's have to like we want to keep it to a reasonable amount of time on the episode so yeah. that gets chopped down a little bit but you could have access to that for just five dollars a month five whole dollars a month and then you guys you're more than welcome to give us more than this you're more than welcome to give us any amount that you want to give us but our last tier that we're going to ask of you is fifteen dollars a month fifteen dollars a month and you know why because that's our sound clock that's our SoundCloud payment, and because that gets you access that to... That gets you a lot of fun stuff. Tell them. You get everything listed below. Listed below. You get everything in the $1 and the $5 tier, but subscribers in the $15 tier will become recipients of the Faint Flatulence Collection. Ooh, the Faint Flatulence Collection. It's a collection? Tell me more. Each month, you'll receive a new jar containing particles of a handcrafted, hand-captured ghost fart. Ooh. Alongside a printed description of the ghost whose remains have remained behind in a jar and forever in our hearts. Oh, authentic. Join now to make sure you collect each and every jar. Oh, it's a collectible? 
Because once you have all the jars, they open up a portal between the worlds of the living and the dead. But beware that the sulfur smell is not the smell of egg farts, but the burning souls of the damned rotting that betwixt between the two. Once that's open, the portal can never be closed. Collect all at your own risk. Wait, what? There's gonna it's be, a collectible? It's a collectible Yay! that you can only get through the $15 tier. So give the $15 gets you that extra little collectible. So for $15 a month, you get your very own ghost fart in a jar. And there's a new one every single every month. Every single month. Faint flaxal... It's hard to say. Say I know, it, it is five fa- times fast. Can I say five times fast? The faint flatulence collection, the faint fa- flatulence collection, mm-hmm. the faint flatulence collection, the faint flatulence collection, the faint flatulence collection, the faint flatulence collection. Oof. It's the faint flatulence collection. Collect them all. And it's only available if you're a $15 a month or more, because you can give us you more. Give but us for more. $15 a month or more, you can be a subscriber to the faint flatulence collection. So we're really excited, you guys, if you couldn't tell. Please go check out our Patreon. Give us what you can. And if you can't give us anything, you know what you can still give us? A five-star rating and review. You so sure can. We appreciate And you get a any... sticker for that. You do. Um, so keep tuning in, guys. We're really, really excited. But even more than that, I think we're just super excited for our 50th episode. I so know. Stephanie, almost a year. Congratulations! Congratulations! And I literally just polished this off. But I'm gonna cheers a fucking empty ass glass. Come here, you bitch! Oh, fifty! Fifty episodes! Clink, 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 clink! We did it, you guys! We're here! We did it! Fifty episodes! That's a big deal. Started from the bottom. Now we're here. Yeah, call me Drake. I don't know because he sings that song. Oh, okay. Well, then I guess all I have left to say is, Sarah, for the 50th time, y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Because we know we are. Here, take this away from me. Okay, let me have it. Speaking of ghosts, speaking of the paranormal, I burped while I was saying it. It wasn't a ghost backing me up. Ugh, please stop. I'm I'm trying. Sarah, I don't know if you've heard that the ghost world has... Suffered a tragic loss recently. I did hear about that. I did. It's very sad. So if you didn't know, we have recently lost Lorraine Warren. Rest in peace. She was 92 years old. That's who I'll be talking about today. Lorraine Warren. A little bit about Lorraine Warren and the Warren families. I just want to say real fast, she ain't dead. You know, if anyone knows how to come back as a ghost, it's Lorraine Warren. Right. Ed's going to find her. Ed's yeah. going to find I her. I was like, they're going to haunt for the rest of their eternity, and like, now, they're fine. if you're not familiar with them for their work, which, we're, which I'm going to talk yeah. about today, you may remember them from episode 13, <laughs> the Smurl Girls and the Holy Humidifier. Oh, that's a good one. Where we talked about the Smurl family, yeah. who are uh, where, they'll, they'll come up again today, because uh, I'm going to talk about the work of Ed and the great, late great Lorraine Warren. So uh, Edward Warren Miney, uh, he passed away in 2006, mm-hmm. uh, and Lorraine was his widow. She was still with us until April 18th, so just a little while ago. She was born January 31st, 1927. They were an American paranormal investigator couple Mm -hmm. and authors associated with prominent cases of hauntings. Edward was a World War II United States Navy veteran and former police officer who became a self-taught and self-professed demonologist, author, and lecturer. Lorraine professed to be clairvoyant and a light trance medium who worked closely with her husband. 
1952, the Warrens founded the New England Society for Psychic Research, the oldest ghost hunting group in New England. They authored numerous books about the paranormal and about their private investigations into various reports of paranormal activity. They claimed to have investigated over 10,000 cases during their career. The Warrens were among the very first investigators in the controversial Amityville haunting. Mm -hmm. According to the Warrens, the Nesper uses, which is N-E-S-P-R, uses a variety of individuals, including medical doctors, researchers, police officers, nurses, college students, and members of the clergy in its investigations. Stories of ghost hauntings popularized by the Warrens have been adapted as or have indirectly inspired dozens of films, television series, and documentaries, including the 17 films in the Amityville Horror series. Oh, yeah. And five films in the Conjuring, the Conjuring. universe, with two more yet to be released. So they have a lot of notable investigations. Uh, one that I'm going to go into a little more detail about is Annabelle. Yeah, I was going to say they also have a museum with their artifacts because yes. you'll get into it, but, you know, they became um, the foster parents. They sure did. Adoptive parents. According to the Warrens, in 1968, two roommates claimed that their Raggedy Ann doll was possessed by the spirit of a young girl named Annabelle Higgins. The Warrens took the doll, telling the roommates it was being manipulated by an inhuman presence and put it on display in the family's occult museum. Mm-hmm. The horror films Annabelle, Annabelle Creation, and Upcoming Annabelle Comes Home, spin-off prequels of The Conjuring, are loosely based on the Warren story. I want Annabelle to come comes home to basically be homeward bound, but with the raggedy ant doll. She's <laughs> <laughs> just on a journey because they moved away and left her behind. So <laughs> go ahead. Um Commenting on uh, publicity for the Warrens Occult Museum, coinciding with the film's release of The Conjuring, science writer Sharon A. Hill said that many of the myths and legends surrounding the Warrens have seemingly been of their own doing, and that many people may have difficulty separating the Warrens from their Hollywood portrayal. Yeah. Hill criticized sensational press coverage of the Warrens Occult Museum and its Annabelle doll. She said that like real life Ed Warren, real life Annabelle is actually far less impressive. <laughs> of the supernatural claims made about Annabelle by Ed Warren, Hill said we have nothing but Ed's word for this and also for the history and the origins of the objects in the museum. According to the Warrens, a student nurse was given the Raggedy Ann doll in 1968. They say the doll behaved strangely and that a psychic medium told the student that the doll was inhabited by the spirit of a dead girl named Annabelle. They say the student and her roommate tried to accept and nurture the spirit-possessed doll, but the doll reportedly exhibited mal uh, malicious and frightening behavior. It was said at this point that the Warrens say they were first contacted and that they removed the doll from their museum after pronouncing it demonically possessed. Do you talk about how apparently in the car ride home they almost got into accidents with the doll? I don't because I don't go into that much detail. Do you want to tell that? I mean, that's basically it. <laughs> Is they, they allegedly were in the car ride home and like almost got into accidents while they had the doll in the, the car. Because the doll is possessed. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the families they worked with is the Perrin family. In 1971, the Warrens claimed that the Harrisville, Rhode Island home of the Perrin family was haunted by a witch who lived there in the early 19th century. Mm. According to the Warrens, Bethesda Sherman cursed the land so that whoever lived there somehow died a terrible death. 
The story is the subject of the 2013 film, The Conjuring. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Lorraine Warren was a consultant to the production and appeared in a cameo role in the film. A reporter for USA Today covered the film's supposed factual grounding. One of the many things they're famous for is the Amityville case. Yep. The Warrens are probably best known for their involvement in the 1976 Amityville horror case in which New York couple George and Kathy Lutz claim that their house was haunted by a violent demonic presence so intense that it eventually drove them out of their home. The Amityville horror conspiracy authors Stephen and Roxanne Kaplan characterized the case as a hoax. Lorraine Warren told a reporter for the Express Times newspaper that the Amityville horror was not a hoax. The reported haunting was the basis for the 1977 book, The Amityville Horror, mm -hmm. and adapted into the 1979 and 2005 movies of the same name, while also serving as the inspiration for the film series that followed. That is such a deep, deep case. There's just so much it, there. There's so much. The Warrens' versions of events is partially adapted and portrayed into the opening sequence of The Conjuring 2. Mm. According to Benjamin Radford, the story was refuted by eyewitnesses, investigations, and forensic evidence. 1979 lawyer William Weber reportedly stated that he, Jay Anson, and the occupants, and the occupants invented the story uh, over many bottles of wine. But that mm. doesn't explain the experiences that many other people had there. Then there's the Enfield poltergeist. Um, yes. It was a claim of supernatural activity at 284 Green Street, a council house in Brimsdown, Enfield, England, between 1977 and 79, involving two sisters between the, uh, of the Have ages I of 11 and 13. Have I not talked about this? The Enfield poltergeist? I guess not. I guess I only talked about the Smurl poltergeist. Yeah, right. the Enfield poltergeist is fucking crazy. Yes. Um, so in August 1977, single parent Peggy Hodgson claim, or called the police to her, her rented home in Enfield, claiming she had witnessed furniture moving and that two of her four children said that knocking sounds were heard on the walls. The children included Margaret, age 13, and Janet, 11. A police constable said that she saw a chair wobble and slide. Later claims included disembodied voices, loud noises, thrown rocks and toys, overturned chairs, and children levitating. Mm -hmm. Over a period of 18 months, more than 30 people, including neighbors, psychic researchers, and journalists, said they variously saw heavy furniture moving of its own accord, objects being thrown across the room, and the daughters seeming to levitate several feet off of the ground. Many also heard and recorded knocking noises and a gruff voice. The activity in the house attracted considerable press attention, and the story was covered in British newspapers such as the Daily Mail and the Daily Mirror until the reports came to an end in 1979. Are they not going to mention the fact that the girls would talk in the voice of the demonic presence? Because there's video of it, and it's fucking terrifying. Oh, is there? Stephanie. I'm like, do you want to see it? Because they say that the, like, the two girls say that there's like a male presence or whatever. This poltergeist is like throwing them around. And then they'll like talk in a voice that's not theirs. It's like a, a very gruff, deep voice. And they've got it on camera. Well, the Society for, for Psychical Research... 
Members Maurice Gross and Guy Lyon Playfair reported curious whistling and barking noises coming from Janet's general direction. Although Playfair maintained the haunting was genuine and wrote in his later book, The House is Haunted, The True Story of Poltergeist, 1980, that an entity was to blame for the disturbances, he often doubted the children's veracity and wondered if they were playing tricks and exaggerating. Still, Gross and Playfair believe that even though some of the alleged poltergeist activity was faked by the girls, other incidents were genuine. Janet was detected in trickery. A video camera in the room next door caught her bending spoons and attempting to bend an iron bar. Yeah. Gross had observed Janet banging a broom handle on the ceiling and hiding his tape recorder. According to Playfair, one of the Janet's voices she called Bill displayed a habit of suddenly changing the topic. It was a habit that Jane also had. When Janet and Margaret admitted pranking the reporters, Gross and Playfair compelled the girls to retract their confession. They were mocked by other researchers for being easily duped. The psychical researcher, Renee Haynes, had noted that doubts were raised about the alleged poltergeist voice at the second international SPR conference at Cambridge in 1978, where video cassettes from the case were examined. The SPR investigator, Anita Gregory, stated that Enfield poltergeist case had been overrated, characterizing several episodes of the girls' behaviors as suspicious, and speculated that the girls had staged some incidents for the benefit of reporters seeking a sensational story. John Belloff, a former president of the SPR investigated and suggested Janet was practicing ventriloquism. Both Belloff and Gregory came to the conclusion that Janet and Margaret were playing tricks on the investigators. Jeez, I don't know. I mean, I've seen the videos. I don't know. If so, then they did a very good job. Um, skeptics have argued that the alleged poltergeist voice that originated from Janet was produced by false vocal cords above the larynx and that the phraseology or phraseology and vocabulary of a child. In a television interview for BBC Scotland, Janet was observed to gain attention by waving her hand and then putting her hand in front of her mouth uh, while a claimed disembodied voice was heard. During the interview, both girls were asked the question, how does it feel to be haunted by a poltergeist? Janet replied, it's not haunted. And Margaret, in a hushed tone, inter interrupted shut up <laughs> these factors have been regarded by skeptics as evidence against the case as a magician experienced in the dynamics of trickery nickel examined playfair's account as well as contemporary press clippings he noted that the supposed poltergeist tended to act only when it was not being watched and concluded that the incidents were best explained as children's pranks in an interview with the daily mail the adult janet admitted that she and her sister had faked two percent of the phenomena this promoted Nickel to comment in another publication. The evidence suggests that this figure is closer to 100%. <laughs> she was off by a 98%. But she says, like, they maybe faked, like, a little bit of it, but, but the rest but of really it was real. real. Yeah. Although Maurice Gross made tape recordings of Janet and believed no trickery was involved, the magician Bob Cootie said, <laughs> Bob Cootie said he made some of the recordings available to me and have, having listened to them very carefully, I came to the conclusion that there was nothing in there beyond what was beyond the imaginative capabilities of a teenager. An article by psychology professor Chris French in 2016 described five reasons why he believed the case to have been a popular hoax. Do you have that video? Of the girls talking? Is that what you were looking up? I was. Do you want to see it? I mean, I can. I oh still have a couple gosh. more things that yeah, they did. Yeah, I was like, talk. I was like, I can show you off the air. It's um, they also. Uh, so Ed claimed to be a demonologist, mm -hmm. and in 1981, Arne Johnson was accused of killing his landlord, Alan Bono. Ed and Lorraine 
Warren had been called prior to the killing to deal with the alleged demonic possession of the younger brother of Johnson's fiance. The Warrens subsequently claimed that Johnson was also possessed. At trial, Johnson attempted to plead not guilty by reason of demonic possession, hmm. but was unsuccessful in his plea. Oh, so, all right. <laughs> the case was Noted. described in the 1983 book, The Devil in Connecticut, by Gerald Brittle. The story will be the subject of the upcoming film, The Conjuring 3. Because <laughs> there can never be enough. you got to keep conjuring. The Snedeker House. In 1986, Ed and Lorraine Warren arrived and proclaimed the Snedeker House, a former funeral home, to be infested with, riddled with, syphilitic, syphilitic with, with demons. Ghosts. Oh, demons. Okay. Demons. The case was featured in the 1992 book, In a Dark Place, The Story of a True Haunting. A TV movie that later became part of the Discovery Channel series A Haunting was produced in 2002. The Haunting in Connecticut, a film very loosely based on the Warren's version of events and directed by Peter Cornwell, was released in 2009. Horror author Ray Garten, who wrote an account of the alleged haunting of the Snedeker family in Southington, Connecticut, later called into question the veracity of the counts contained in the book, saying the family involved, which was going through some serious problems like alcoholism and drug addiction, oh. could not keep their story straight. <laughs> and I became very frustrated. It's Probably hard writing. they were on drugs. Right? It's hard writing a nonfiction book when all the people involved are telling you different stories. To paranormal investigator Ben Radford, Garten said of Lorraine, if she told me the sun would come up tomorrow morning, I'd get a second opinion. Oh, okay. <laughs> the Smurl family, which yep. again we talked about in episode 13. The Smurl girls. Pennsylvania residents Jack and Janet Smurl reported their home was disturbed by numerous supernatural phenomena, including sounds, smells, and apparitions. The Warrens became involved and claimed that the Smurl home was occupied by four spirits and also a demon that allegedly sexually assaulted Jack and Janet. Mm -hmm. The Smurl's version of their story was the subject of a 1986 paperback titled The Haunted and a 1991 made-for-TV movie of the same name directed by Robert Mendel. It was also made into an episode of a podcast called Dead Time Time Stories, episode 13, 13, The Smurl Girls and the Holy Humidifier. Done. They uh, investigated a werewolf. In 1991, the Warren's book, Werewolf, The True Story of Demonic Possession, was published in which they claimed to have exercised a demon manifesting itself as a werewolf. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Then they wrote a book about Union Cemetery. Ed Warren's book, Graveyard, True Hauntings from an Old New England Cemetery, features a white lady ghost which haunts Union Cemetery. Yeah, that's a very popular ghost. He claimed to have captured her essence on film. So Ed passed away 13 years ago in 2006. Lorraine passed away just recently. Like I said, many movies based on the work of these two people, including every fucking Conjuring movie. Oh, yeah. No, everyone is. Because it's, yeah, it's based on them. Like, aren't they the two main characters? She's played by Vera Famiga. Is yes, that her name? I think so. And then he's played by that one white dude. Patrick Wilson. You're, yes, you're so good. I'm really excited that I thought of that off the top of my head because I haven't actually seen those movies, but I did know it was Patrick. But I know, like, I've seen the trailers for those movies. And he's good. He's in other things. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's just, like, a very stereotypical white guy. He's really good in uh, Little Children. That's a movie I really like with him and Kate Winslet. I don't know that one. It's fine. It's based on a book by Tom Perota, who's the same guy who wrote Election, which was made into a movie with Reese Witherspoon. Right. And the show, The Leftovers, is based on a book by the same writer. Okay. All right. 
are. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Done. Bah, 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 bah. Bah, bah, bah. Uh, I find it really funny that you chose to talk about Lorraine Warren and that you started with Annabelle because for a split second when I saw that she died, I was like, oh, maybe I'll like, maybe I'll research and I'll finally talk about Annabelle on an episode. But I'm glad I didn't. I went in a different direction with what I'm going to talk about. I'm excited. So I'm excited too because mine is also kind of actually. Give me just a second to check this out. Because I don't remember which episode. Which episode? I need my book. You're also revisiting. Here we go. Okay. All right. Ready? Yes. Okay. So uh, I'm also kind of doing a throwback. Mine is going to be throwing back to episode 34, in which I talked about the Cecil Hotel, which you might remember as that haunted as fuck hotel where a whole bunch of crazy murders happen but I mentioned in that episode that it was really well known for the most recent crazy death that happened the blogger girl right which is the death of Elisa Lamb so today I want to talk about her death and this super crazy theory about what might have happened oh shit so a little bit about Elisa Lamb and what happened January 31st 2013 Elisa Lamb, a two-year-old... Real fast before this gets started. Have you seen the video? No. Great. We're watching the video. Um, I've got it pulled up. It's fucking crazy. So I remember... Because this was the year that I graduated college. Um, So I was graduating in May. And they announced that she was missing. And this video that that this whole case is known for came out in like the beginning of February and was all over the internet and I was a college student so I was always on the internet so I saw this video in 2013 and so just continuing to research and learn things about this case I'm always thrown right back into college and the video is the first thing that comes to my mind so we're going to get to that in a second and Stephanie's going to watch it but Elisa Lamb she was a 20 year old student and she was traveling alone from British Columbia Canada all through San Diego Los Angeles um, on January 31st she failed to contact her parents for the entire day and this was odd because she had contacted her parents every single day while she was away her parents then called the LA police and they traveled down to LA from Canada to begin the search for their daughter three weeks after her disappearance uh, Elisa's body was found on the roof of the Cecil Hotel in one of the 4,000 gallon water tanks on the top of the roof yep so, Elisa Lamb, she's... And they found her because people were talking about the water smelling weird. And yeah. And her yeah. body was up in it. Yep. Yeah. yeah, we're going to... Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, so, the daughter of immigrants from Hong Kong who migrated to British Columbia, Canada, she was a student at the University of British Columbia. However, she was not enrolled at the time of her death. She was traveling alone. She did keep up a blog and a Tumblr about her travels and about her life, about her emotions. Um, We will get into the fact that she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and depression. And so she kind of would use her blog as like a journal for her emotions and things like that. She visited the San Diego Zoo. She updated her personal blog while she was gone. Um, And again, she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And while she was on the trip, she was taking the prescribed medicine Wellbutrin, Lamictal, Seroquel, and Efixor, which I'll get into those in a little bit. But um, beyond Wellbutrin. Yeah, those are all different bipolar, depression, antipsychotic drugs. Um, So the day of her disappearance, January 31st, um, she was... 
definitely alone the entire day. The hotel staff remember seeing her. She was friendly and nice, but she was alone. She went and stopped by a bookstore Mm -hmm. um, and was chatty with the bookstore lady talking about, oh, I want to get these books for my family, but are they going to be too heavy to carry my backpack on the train, like plane, blah, blah, blah. So she was alone the entire day, and when her parents called her missing, the police searched the entire hotel, including her room and the roof. However, the dogs look, yeah. the dogs couldn't detect her scent, so the dogs didn't find her. A week after her disappearance, the LAPD decided more help was needed, and that was when they began circulating social media attention. And I remember seeing it on the news, young Canadian student missing in L.A., Two weeks after her disappearance is when the video was released. So the LAPD released a video of her last sighting. I remember you telling me about the video, but I didn't see the video. The video's a big thing. So they released this video. It's her last sighting at the hotel. It's a security footage from the elevator. And in the video, she's acting really odd. She's getting on and off the elevator. She's waving her arms frantically, um, seeming to try and hide from something. And this video blew the fuck up and it drew worldwide attention to the case with because she also had still not been found mm. they didn't know where she was they just knew that this was the, the last, last sighting of her. of her and it got over three million views in the first 10 days so here's the video it is three minutes but i'm just gonna like give it to you and let you watch the whole thing i'll probably end up like cutting some of your reaction sure. but um I like kind of, I'm going to walk over and like watch it with you. Yo, what are you hiding from, Elisa? Right? She's in the corner. Is she like, yo, why is this elevator door not closing? Look at the way she steps out. (gasps) The fuck, girl? What are you looking for? It's just so odd. And the elevator doors don't close. Close. This is getting me. I'm like, why isn't the elevator going anywhere? And she's just like behaving so erratically. Girl, what you doing? You get back on the elevator? What you doing? Now she's pushing. She's just pushing all, all of, the of the buttons. Like, what is she doing? I'm trying to get the elevator to go anywhere. It's not going. Like, nothing's closing. Nothing's happening. And like, what? What are those hands? Oh, like, <laughs> chills down my spine. Hands? What is she doing with her hands? What is that? So this was released before they found her. So they had no idea where she was. Now it closes. They had no idea where she was or what was going on, but they went ahead and released this, and people on the internet jumped onto it. And before she even passed, they were like, something foul looks like it has happened, and it looks like it could potentially be something paranormal. Because of how weird she acts. Yeah. And then, yeah, the elevator door opens and closes twice, but doesn't seem, I mean, maybe it is changing floors, but it doesn't seem like it's changing floors. You know, because she pushed all of the buttons. I guess it did change a floor. So, yeah, that was the last they saw of her. And uh, that was the tape that they released. The fuck? Yeah. Elisa, what happened to you? I know. So let's get into it. Um, And let me try to get back to the fucking page that I was at because now it wants to give me a dog video. 
No. Oh, Chloe Grace Moritz in your smooth face. I don't want to feel your fucking stop. All right, so that's the video. That's what was released, and it made people be like, what the fuck has happened? Right. So toward the two-week mark, like right after they released the video, guests of the hotel started to complain about the water. their water being weird color and Smell. what got me smelled and had an odd taste. Ooh, I know. Ooh, ooh, I mean, ooh, someone drank it. No. Oh, so on February 21st, after January 31st, her body was found floating in the water tank on the roof. Her body was found naked. However, her clothes that were that outfit you saw in the video of her in the elevator, the red hoodie and the skirt, those were also found floating in the tank with her. So people think that she got in the water tank and ended up taking off her clothes. Um, so we know how she died. Like she got into the water tank and she ended up drowning. Um, now one weird thing that I'll get into for just a second is the fact that the coroner's report up until the final day before they had to release it would not give a reason for her death. Right. They wouldn't. And then finally the last day they were like, it was accidental. It was an accidental drowning. Just put that on there. Yep. So that's really weird. Um, one thing, uh, we don't we know how she died, but we don't really know what led to her being in the fucking water tank on the roof of the hotel yeah. where she was staying. So the doors and the stairs to try to get to the roof are locked and are held by a security passcode. And if you try to get to them, an alarm will go off. However, the fire escape would have given her access to the roof. How did she know to use the fire escape? Who, Who knows? knows? But she took the fire escape to get up to the roof. The water tanks. They're not the easiest thing to get into. There's four of them. They're a thousand gallons. They've got a steel metal lid over the top. Um, Police even had passed them on the first search when they were looking because the dogs didn't smell anything. And they were like, yeah, there's no fucking way. The lid was heavy, but not crazy heavy. People said it was probably about 50 pounds, 60 pounds at the max. But she had to open it climb in and then close it behind her and once it was closed there There was was no way of getting out so she got into that tank she closed it behind her for whatever reason and trapped herself to her death at 21 years old the video again it looks like she's hiding from something she's cowering in a corner she's stepping in and out she's pushing all the buttons on the elevator she's making weird hand gestures like was she trying to escape from something was something chasing her this hotel is known for being haunted and having murders um or she was bipolar was she having a manic psychotic episode which is known to have you hallucinate Now, her one weird thing as well to think of is that her blog on Tumblr was updated a few times after she died. Now, people think that could mean that she just had like an automatic update set and it went ahead and updated. But one thing that's weird is that her phone wasn't found on her body in the tank or in her hotel room. And the police just assumed that her phone was stolen and they didn't do anything else with it. Trophy. And then it was, and then she was updated to Tumblr a few times, but they never found the phone. So that's really weird. Stolen by the ghost people who murdered her. Probably. So a few theories are she took a drug that ended up not showing up on the toxicology report and she was on drugs and that's why she was there. However, again, when they had the toxicology report, 
report, um, they did not find alcohol in her system. Um, I will get into the drugs that they did find, but it was all just like her medication. Nothing, right. Nothing crazy was found in her yeah. system. Um, some people think that she was murdered. It was just foul play. One really interesting theory that I think is hilarious is Richard Ramirez stayed at that hotel for like a week. Mm-hmm. He's the... Um, and people say that she was murdered by the ghost of Richard Ramirez. That's really funny. But what I want to get into is that some people believe that she died because she was playing the fabled online elevator game and it went horribly wrong. Have you ever heard of the elevator game? I've heard of it, but I can't remember what it is right now. So I had never heard of this theory until I was listening to another podcast and they brought it up and I was like, holy shit, that's scary and crazy. And who comes up with this? So... The elevator game, also known as Elevator to Another World, appears to originate on a Korean website that some may recognize as the source of a particular comic that pops up on sites like Reddit every few months or so. Um, So here's a version of the rules and instructions. You have one player and you need to be in one building that's at least 10 stories high with an elevator. All three of these conditions must be met in order for the game to proceed. So one person, one building, over 10 stories high. Now what you do is you enter your chosen building and you get into the elevator on the first floor alone. Do not proceed if anyone else is in the elevator with you. Press the button for the fourth floor. When the elevator reaches the fourth floor, do not get out. Instead, remain in the elevator and press the button for the second floor. When you reach the second floor, remain in the elevator, do not get out, and press the button for the sixth floor. When you reach the sixth floor, remain in the elevator again and press the button for the second floor. When you reach the second, remain in the elevator and press the button for the tenth floor. When you're on the tenth floor, remain in the elevator and press the button for the fifth floor. When you reach the fifth floor, a young woman may enter the elevator. Do not look at her. Do not speak to her. She is not what she seems. Press the button for the first floor. If the elevator begins ascending to the tenth floor instead of descending to the first, you may proceed. If the elevator descends to the first floor, exit as soon as the doors open. Do not look back. Do not speak. If you reach the tenth floor, you may either choose to get off the elevator or to stay on it. If you choose to get off and if the woman entered the elevator on the fifth floor, she will ask you, Where are you going? Do not answer her and do not look at her. You will know whether you have arrived at the other world by one indication and one indication only. The only person present in it is you. To get back from the other world, if you get there, if you choose to stay on the elevator at the 10th floor, press the button for the first floor. If it doesn't work, keep pressing it until it finally does. Oh my God. (laughs) When the elevator reaches the first floor, exit as soon as the doors open. Do not look back. Do not speak. If you chose to exit the elevator at the 10th floor, you must use the same elevator to return as the one in which you arrived. When you enter the elevator, press the buttons in the same order you did in steps 2 through 8 of venturing out. You should finish at the 5th floor. When you reach the fifth floor, press the button for the first floor. The elevator will again begin to ascend to the tenth floor and press any other floor's button to cancel the ascension. You must press the button you use to cancel the ascension before you reach the tenth floor. 
After you reach the first floor, check your surroundings carefully. If anything seems off, even the smallest detail, do not exit the elevator. If you detect something wrong, repeat step two until your surroundings look as they should. Once you are confident you have returned to your own world, you may safely exit the elevator. So, additional notes for this if you choose to play the elevator game. Should you reach the other world, the floor on which you will emerge will look almost identical to the one from your own world, save for two things. All the lights will be off, and the only thing you will be able to see from the windows is a red cross in the distance. Some say that electronic devices, mobile phones, cameras, and MP3 players, etc. don't work in the other world. Some say they do. Getting back to your own world may be more difficult than it seems. You may become disoriented and forget which elevator in which you arrived. The elevator may seem to get further and further away from you as you walk towards it, and so on. Be vigilant and keep your wits about you. If at any point during the ritual you faint, pass out, or otherwise lose consciousness, you will likely wake up in your own home. However, be sure to carefully examine your surroundings upon waking. The home to which you have returned may not be the one you left when you first set out to attempt this ritual. Concerning the woman on the fifth floor, do not speak to her. Do not look to her. Look at her. If you do, she may decide to keep you for her own. So some people think that she played the elevator game and lost. She went to talk to the lady. She might have talked to the lady or she might have looked at the lady. Oh, I've never heard of that. And I was like, holy fuck, that's crazy. Fuck that. Who comes up with this stuff? That's so you weird. You want to die. Um, so what really probably happened to Elisa Lamb is she had a psychotic break. Um, she was on all of those medications. However, she um, had not taken her antipsychotic recently when they did the toxicology report. She had only taken one antidepressant. She had taken her second antidepressant and mood stabilizer recently, but not the day of her death. Yeah. Um, And again, she had not taken her antipsychotic. So they say that the way her drugs ended up working together in her system caused her to have a break and that when people have a psychotic break, it can cause them to have hallucinations, fear for their life, and can also give them, like, crazy strength. Like, strength enough to just fucking climb up a fire escape escape, and lift a lid and crawl because they think something's after them. So her brain might have just snapped and this 21-year-old girl crawled into a tank on the top of a hotel and her body sat there for three weeks. Well, you know what? R.I.P. Lorraine and Elisa. Oh, it is an R.I.P. Too soon. Oh, yeah, her story is just so sad. It's almost as sad as like, oh, she just had a psychotic break and oh, it was just an owl flew in and fucking attacked her head. Just sad. Thousand ways to die. Bobby has me sing that while he asks people for money. Because, you know, it's like that sad commercial with the dogs. Yeah. Bobby will have me sing that song and he'll be like, 
No, Again, he'll be like, do money. the arms of an angel. And then he'll walk around and he's like, do you know drag queens don't get enough alcohol every day? You can support a drag queen by dropping money in this bank, in this box. Give and us I'm some like, money. In the arms of Well, that's where Lorraine and Elisa are. They're in the arms of an angel. In the arms of... Yeah, they are. All right, Stephanie. So do you have a finished five or anything or... So we just want people to give us their money. You don't. I've been drinking, and I want you to give us money. I've been drinking. Yeah. I've been drinking. It's, it's Easter Sunday. Nah, nah. Um, yeah, I thank you guys. Those Happy are Easter. Stories. Happy Easter. Two weeks later. Yeah, this is Happy later. 50 episodes. 50. Thanks for sticking Happy with Patreon. us. Happy Patreon. Happy Patreon. We're so excited to give you guys more content and to do more fun things. Um, please give us your love. Give us your thoughts. If there's anything that you think might be fun that you want to see, shoot us an email. Shoot us a shout out. You can find us. Email us. Everything is under Dead Time Stories All with, a Z. with a Z. Uh, Gmail, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Reddit, Stitcher, Facebook, Spotify. We're on it. SoundCloud. We're there. We're about to be on YouTube. So we're so everywhere. Come fuck it up with us and give us your money and some likes, and reviews. You'll hear some done. more stuff and you'll hear more things and you can tell your friends and everybody's happy. And we'll get to do 50 more episodes for you. Fuck yeah. So. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Episode 50. I'm Sarah. I'm Stephanie. And this has been Dead Time Stories. Happy 50 episodes, motherfuckers. 50 fucking episodes. Thanks for listening. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 